Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations, the official podcast of the UNT G. Brent Ryan College of Business, featuring expert faculty, staff, and friends of the college. On today's podcast, we'll be discussing emerging performance metrics for corporate performance, environmental, social, and governance. Dr. Akhil Kumar, Executive Director of the Institute of Petroleum Accounting at the University of North Texas, talks to Coleman Rowland, Managing Director, BKD Enterprise Risk Solutions, and Brian Matluck, Partner, BKD LLP. Coleman Rowland serves as a national consulting leader for BKD National Energy and Natural Resources Practice. His client service experience includes leading large-scale transformation initiatives and helping improve financial management processes in complex global business environments. He has more than 30 years of experience working with commercial client operations and financial systems. Brian Matlock serves as BKD's National Energy and Natural Resource Leader, specializing in oil and gas private equity. Prior to joining BKD, Brian was a partner with KPMG, serving as one of the firm's energy private equity fund leaders. Brian has extensive experience in auditing and accounting matters related to mineral extraction, power generation, and energy companies. We are delighted to have these experts here today and welcome them to Business Conversations. Hello, listeners. Welcome to this podcast. I'm Dr. Akhil Kumar, Director of Institute of Petroleum Accounting at University of North Texas. Today, we are discussing ESG, Environmental, Social, and Governance, a subject that is gaining a lot of attention of late in the business world, including the energy industry. To understand ESG and its impact on business, I'm joined by Brian Matlock, partner, BKD LLB, and Coleman Rowland, Managing Director, BKD Enterprise Risk Solutions. Both Brian and Coleman are working in this field and are recognized experts. Welcome, Brian and Coleman. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Kumar. So what is really ESG? What ESG is, as you indicated in your opening, Dr. Kumar, stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. And so what it is, it's a set of standards for a company's operations socially conscious investors use to screen potential investments. One way to put it is it's every ESG is what's not on your balance sheet. Um, ESG factors can cover a wide variety of issues that traditionally were not associated with a company's financial picture. Non-financial indicators that provide performance criteria on how your business is doing related to social responsibility. That's, that's kind of the, the high level definition. And maybe if we, if we click in a little bit to um, each one of these three um, areas, environmental is how a company performs as a steward of nature. And social, one way to think about that is how does the company manage, manage their relationships with their employees, their customers, and their community. And finally, governance. This looks at a company's leadership, executive pay, internal data controls, shareholder rights, uh, and similar items. So uh, why these three factors have been pulled out? Are they related to each other? Um, why only these three factors? Well, you know, it, it's, uh, it is kind of an interesting um, mix of, of, of elements. Um, there was a, um, some predecessor organizations that, that talked about responsibility, social responsibility that touched on the social, uh, and especially in the, in the energy industry, there's been a, a big push around environmental, 
And, um, and, and, and if you think about what's happened in, in, in the past year and over, you know, calendar 2020 is, you know, the, some of the social unrest and, and, and some of the, you know, the racial, uh, you know, rioting and, and some of the terrible things that we saw there, as well as with COVID, um, we, we, it, was a, it was a very interesting experiment in the environment when, when the lockdown happened, we were able to see what, what that did to, to, to our environment and to, the, to, the, to our skies. Well, Brian, if you wanna add anything to that. Yeah, and also you have to understand, <clears throat> Kamar, the history of ESG. History, ESG really got some legs, which started you know, 15 plus years ago with the United Nations under uh, Kofi Annan. And he specifically called out companies <clears throat> and that companies needed to do more than make profits, but they needed to be better stewards of the world, um, the world around them. And, and, and he specifically called out the environmental side, the social side, and the corporate side. And that's really where ESG really got its three-legged approach. Um, there are other factors as well that obviously they're important to investors outside of ESG and, and standard financial reporting, but that's why even today you have the, the three-legged approach of ESG gets back to its early days under the United Nations. So ESG is really being used by investors to understand a company's performance? Yes, there is a, a tremendous amount of wealth that is being transferred. This, let's call it the next 10 years um, from, from baby boomers to millennials, let's say. So that this, this younger generation uh, brings with it a, a very, very strong um, affinity for, you know, not just looking at a, at a company's financial returns and their, you know, their growth rate and their ROI. They, they want to look at the, at the, at the whole picture or, or a, a non-financial picture uh, in addition to the financial returns. Mm-hmm. And, and one can, some, some people point to a, a letter that Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, uh, sent to his CEOs uh, two Januarys ago as kind of the stake in the ground. Many people point to that event because that's the largest asset manager in the world. Um, they point to that event as, as the tipping point for when this we knew that this was here to stay. Yeah, and you know, investors really, if you look over the last 15 years, <clears throat> they have cared about ESG. Now, why, why did they care? I think what you're seeing now is a pivoting a little bit. A lot of ESG investors really like the returns that came, came with ESG. Um, now it is turning to both a feel-good story and a, and a rate of return. So let's go back 15 years. There were a lot of studies that were done around ESG and those companies that implemented ESG. And and there's a lot of data to support when companies have solid ESG policies, they they do perform better in the marketplace. Now, if you take a step back, the the question that obviously arises, is it a chicken and egg situation? Is Is it really, are they really successful because they have an ESG policy? or were they already successful, which allowed them to then, they were large enough and successful to then implement ESG. So there's debate amongst practitioners and and thought leaders in regards to how much value it actually added. That said, now we're in 2021, people really are, as Coleman mentioned, you now have a millennial generation, things like that, that are looking beyond just the rate of return. 
And is, is this a good steward of the world? Um, and so people, you know, absolutely are paying attention in investors. You see, for example, uh, university endowments, um, uh, large pension funds, for example, saying, hey, we as the investor are not going to give you a dime and you being private equity funds, hedge funds, the general market, unless we, we believe that you're being a good steward of, of the world and following ESG. And so now you, when you think about businesses, like Colin mentioned at the beginning of the presentation, it's not just about your balance sheet, not just about your income statement. It, that's still important. But it's also about your ESG policies and what you're doing for the world around you. That is what sells investors right now. That's very interesting. Thanks. One uh, way to look at it is 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 a, is a company's license to operate. Uh, okay. Now, now tell me. I mean, when we talk about ESG, obviously there are three different buckets. Huh? Are they all weighted equally, or from an investor's point of view, or one is more important than the other? It depends on the industry. Um, let's just take energy, for, for example. Um, there, there would be a, a, a more weighted uh, view and emphasis on, on the environmental side of things. Uh, maybe if you take, let's just take maybe a, a global retailer or a, a clothing manufacturer, let's see that. So taking a look at that, at the supply chain or, or are, are human beings being treated um, properly throughout the supply chain? Maybe, maybe manufacturing is occurring in a, in, a, in a third world country. So it really depends on the industry. Uh, yeah, maybe I, I, definitely wanna, I definitely wanna echo that. You know, if you look at the standard setters, uh, Dr. Kumar, they would tell you they're all weighted equally. <clears throat> that you, you look at the, the volume of standards that come around each specific industry, et cetera. Um, but that practically, yeah, that, that's not how it works. Just like Coleman said, when you think of energy companies, they think of environmental safety is a big issue. The company's safety record, the thought being if there's, if there's safe, that, that they're good to their employees, but also if they're, if they're making sure their employees are taken care of, they'll make sure their investors are taken care of. So um, you see energy safety is a big issue, but like Coleman mentioned retail. Well, frankly, that's not, that's not a big issue for, for retail. We don't see safety disclosures in ESG. So it absolutely is not a one size fits all. Uh, even though the standards may be written as such, the practicality of it is it depends on factors, the industry and the investor base, okay. because different investor bases also look at, at different criteria. Okay. Now, moving along, um, you know, we uh, more, I'm talking from the perspective of accountants, you know, we are very familiar with the uh, financial reporting and how the rules are pretty much formulated uh, through FASB and the standards are there. Is there something like this for um, ESG? I mean, who sets the rules? What are those rules? How does yeah. it get reported? It's a great question. Um, as we speak, there are a kind of a wide variety of ESG frameworks that are out there. And by the way, Europe is, is ahead of us. They're, they're farther down a path than, than the US. Um, and I, I can talk about a few different frameworks, but the, 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 pic the picture is not perfectly in focus yet. We think that it will be, 
there, you mentioned the FASB, Dr. Kumar. There, there is a there is a, a framework called SASB with an S, the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, which is a which is a cousin to FASB, uh, and is a pretty popular framework uh, here in the United States. There's also a framework called GRI, which stands for Global Reporting Initiative. And then the third major framework that we see out there is um, called the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And again, it's, it's a bit of an alphabet soup right now. Um, and we do see down the road a convergence and, and, a, and, a, and hopefully a global adoption. Okay. Yeah, so doc, you know, Dr. Kumar, on that point, I mean, there, there, we as accountants like principles, right? We like a framework that levels the playing field between all industries, so we can compare apples to apples, oranges to oranges. It is a little bit of a challenge with ESG because you do have so many uh, different uh, setters, and like Coleman mentioned, we, we expect there to be consolidation in those those standard setters so that it becomes more. Um, um, visual and, and I would say apples to oranges situation. I mean, apples to apples situation. Um, but right now, being able to navigate through all those standards is, is a bit of a challenge because it, it's pretty voluminous. Um, you know, it, again, here in the U.S., we like, we like GAP. We like international, IFRS. And that's about it. We, we really don't care for too many of the other frameworks. I, and I anticipate at some point we will get there for ESGs. So uh, this brings me to the uh, logical next question. Then is ESG reporting mandatory? Is it audited? Is it part of financial reporting? Or is it like a totally separate on a parallel track? T today, as we speak, it is, it is not mandatory. It is strongly suggested. Brian talked about the institutional investing community and, and other very strong uh, forces that are, that are uh, driving uh, companies and private private equity portfolio companies, as well as the funds to, to put out um, kind of on par parallel with their, with their annual report and their, and their, you know, financial reports, uh, an ESG report as well. Um, today, they are not audited. Um, but we, we see down the road, uh, a, a strong likelihood that uh, similar to how third-party accounting firms will do an audit over a company's financial statement and their internal controls over financial reporting, we will see a similar attestation that will happen uh, potentially, you know, maybe this will be years down the road, but, but because, you know, the, the, it's really the same type of thing. If, 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 you, if you compare the financial reports with the ESG, they, they need to be accurate in the eyes of, of the investing public. It needs to be a, a fair and accurate accounting. Uh, and one, one uh, data point for you, uh, two or three weeks ago, the SEC came out and announced a task force around ESG reporting is being formed that will basically is putting some teeth into uh, accountability for making sure that the companies are not mis misreporting their ESG metrics. Because it's a very data-driven, if you think about methane emissions, and there's a lot of data behind that that needs to be accurate. Brian, go ahead. Yeah, so Dr. Kumar, just to kind of echo some of the things Coleman's saying is, you know, generally we, these things start with uh, the commission, the SEC mandating that, um, that companies follow a certain path. And so ESG has created enough 
traction that the SEC is now strongly looking at making it mandatory. And they've created certain task force to look at that as well as a specific enforcement um, ESG vision. Now, you, you asked several several different questions in there. So I'm going to give you an example. Let's say for we took uh, 20 uh, oil and gas uh, issuers and their 10Ks that are submitted with the SEC. My guess would be t- of the 20, 10 probably don't have any ESG disclosure. The other 10 do but you're gonna see divergence in how that's reported. And of the 10, maybe one has some kind of audit or a test function. That's not good in the eyes of the commission. The commission doesn't like diversity in practice. They wanna ensure that it is a level playing field. So what I, I think is gonna happen, what most practitioners think is gonna happen is five years down the road, we will have not only an ESG requirement but there will be an attest function to that. Um, right now, the attest function is voluntary, um, but there is guidance by the ASCPA mandate uh, that governs that. And right now, what you're mostly seeing is um, re- what was referred to as negative assurance and, and as opposed to positive assurance. Is where auditors come in and say, hey, we've looked at your ESG policies we don't see anything unusual, but you're not necessarily saying, hey, these are good policies or the company's following them. If, if in a certain circumstances, and you will see these published on a lot of people, uh, companies' websites, ExxonMobil, Shell, for example, you'll see their ESG policies, and they actually do include an opinion, an examination opinion by a third-party accounting firm. An examination opinion means that accounting firm has gone in and actually tested the company's ESG claims and is providing positive assurance that the company is, is acting in accordance with, with its ESG framework. Um, <clears throat> I can tell you as an auditor, that's challenging. Um, and, and that's something that the AICPA is, is battling right now as, as ESG grows. Um, as Coleman mentioned earlier, we as auditors, we as accountants, we like hard data. And that, that data in certain ESG aspects is, is easy to come by. So in, energy companies, for example, measure carbon emissions, uh, carbon offsets, safety records that has to be provided to OSHA. There's a plethora of hard data out there. But when we start dealing with some of these social aspects, for example, like how does the company react to social injustices, things that how do we how's the company react to ensuring diversity of its workforce? That a lot of that it it, it makes you feel good and and it's it's a good thing for the companies to have. It's a lot more challenging to measure, and so we as accountants obviously struggle with the measurability factor. Mm-hmm that and so it, it's a challenge it's a fun challenge but it's something that our industry is tackling right now okay and and just coming back to these examples you gave of the metrics being used by say energy industry on carbon emissions or things like that now would all energy industry use the same metrics or they will just pick and choose right now well, right now it's it's kind of an open playing field, right? Yeah. There, um, I, I've been on several webinars where I, mul- multiple ESG officers in a in a particular sector are, are talking, and they're kind of looking at each other and comparing notes informally. But 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 you know, I think right now it's it, again there's no stand there's no set standard. 
uh, we're moving in that direction. Um, but I think what we're going to see as this continues to unfold is, is, you know, we're talking about energy. So let's pick, you know, a subsector, say oil field service. That, that subsector, I think, will we'll continue to, to, to align what data they report uh, amongst, amongst the, the different peers in, in, this, in, a, in a given sector. Brian, you have a difference. So, yeah, so, you know, Dr. Kumar, again, we as accountants, auditors, tax professionals, we like principles, we like rules that are easy to follow. Right now, the sustainability standards are more like guidelines. You know, they're, they're, they're boundaries in which you can play in. And that, that is not bad as it creates opportunity for uh, additional disclosure, but it also does create opportunity for a divergence in practice. And so um, right now we're dealing with boundaries, if you will. And so it, as long as companies are generally within those boundaries, and that's, these are large boundaries, um, they're, they're fine. Now, <clears throat> again, we had mentioned, you know, so then the next question is, well, what is accountability of staying within those boundaries? And you know, again, right now there's there's not a requirement to attest, and that's part of the reason the SEC has set up an enforcement division. They're going to start investigating these companies to make sure that they're making claims in the market about ESG, which we've seen had been beneficial to them, potentially raising stock price. The SEC is by by God going to make sure they're they're being truthful about that, and so um, and that's what they're doing right now to to ensure that. So. Again, I think as time goes on, what you'll see, Dr. Kumar, is those, those large boundaries will start to shrink. It will start to become a truly principles-based initiative. Great. Yeah, would you say this, because this uh, ESG is still sort of in its infancy, uh, it's really an emerging area and a lot of work is happening and needs to be done. Huh? Yes, and you know, for, for you know, a student who's studying accounting, right, in university right now, um, this is gonna be a part of the fabric of, 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 of their work environment and an area, potential area of specialization. Um, I, I was just reading this morning that, um, that um, the United Kingdom is, is putting out a, an ESG certificate. So sort of like a, CPA or, or a, or a uh, certified uh, financial um, analyst, uh, they're, they're, there's, there's professional certifications now that are being offered. And, the, and the, it, was, it was quoted in, in, in British sterling, not, not US dollars. So that was a, an interesting, but, that, but that's where things are going. So I guess if I'm, if I'm a student studying accounting in, in university, um, I think the aperture of opportunities to specialize is just uh, opened up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. This is you know to, to echo that. This, this is absolutely a moving target, which to me as a as a practitioner is exciting. I love the excitement around ESG. It is something that changes every day. It's something you have to be heavily involved in. Um, we do have somewhat of a roadmap, though. Uh, you know, when you look at our European brethren, you know, they are again. Coleman mentioned this earlier they're probably anywhere from three to five years ahead of where we are. So we, we do have a good roadmap with industrial powerhouses in Europe that we can follow, uh, which, which make it very, uh, or very helpful, but it absolutely is an emerging issue here in the U.S. and, and still worldwide. Um, 
and emerging issues, all that does, Dr. Kumar, is creates opportunities for us in the accounting world. So uh, if I was a student today, and a lot of our uh, accounting students particularly are listening to this podcast, uh, what should I be doing? You know, I'm, pl- I'm probably graduating in a year or two years, and then I will take the CPA exam. What should I do about ESG? Um, and, and are there any career opportunities in this area? It's <laughs> a great question. Um, what, what I would suggest, and Brian can, can weigh in here too, is to uh, educate yourself. There is a ton of information out there um, on, the, on the web about ESG and where it's going. Learn these different frameworks and just get familiar with them. Um, because this, again, this is going to be part of, part of a day in the life when you're out in, in public accounting, or, you know, if you go, if you go, uh, don't, don't go public and you go to work for a company that there, there will be an ESG program most likely in that company. In fact, we, we BKD are, uh, we are, we are looking to hire, um, a few professionals, uh, to help build this area out for our firm. And what we're looking for is, you know, Maybe uh, the ideal candidate would be maybe somebody with accounting and some kind of a sustainability um, uh, flavored degree uh, that could could help help us uh, you know drive this for our clients. Brian, if you want to add anything? Yeah. And so, Dr. Kumar, I, I would say you know if I were an accounting student and they came to me and said, "What can I, I do?" ESG. The the answer probably is different if student say versus maybe a five year student, somebody that's the end of their you know, getting their, their dual uh, bachelor's, master's degree in the five-year program. You know, if you're on the latter part of that, what do you need to do? You need to know what ESG is. You need to be aware of the opportunity because when you start, you will absolutely hear that term and it's going to be something, it's going to be an area of, of very, very hot within any public accounting firm or industry as well. Now, you know, when it comes to say your freshman in audience or sophomores that are newer, I would say before you graduate, there, there could be an opportunity. There's ESG action classes. Uh, a lot of the universities are looking at this right now, and I, I do feel like uh, that's where we're headed. Um, I also feel like if, if this continues to stay on the same path, you could start seeing um, ESG brought into the uh, CPA uh, testing to an extent. Um, again, whether it's a whole section, whether it's five questions, that'll be time will tell, but I can absolutely see this being in, in, within the framework of the exam, just given that it has fallen on the shoulders of accountants for the most part. And, you know, say, and some people, um, you know, in the audience also may want be wondering, why does it fall on the shoulders of accountants? You know, this is not necessarily balance sheet data. It's not income statement data. And it is, it is different data than we historically deal with a lot of times in, a, in, in the world of accounting. Mm-hmm. The reality is accountants are, are best situated in almost every case to, to do the ESG studies and, and documentation. Why? For one, we're good with data. We understand what it takes to you to get good data, measure that data, then report the data. We're also good with understanding internal controls, processes, flows of information. These are things we are trained on, and, and especially those of you in the audience that decide to take an audit route, 
will very much be uh, embedded in on a daily basis. So as, as groups are looking at ESG as the, the new upcoming up reporting, it, it has fallen on the, on the shoulders of the accountants because we, we're just the best suited to, to do it, um, which makes it really, really fun and really, um, you know, it's going to create so many opportunities, Dr. Kumar, for, for the students um, in the next five to 10 years. Oh, great to know that. Uh, another segment which is also watching this is our faculty. And do you think there is um, potential for academic research in this field? Absolutely. You know, kind of to, to tag along to, to Brian's comment, I mean, uh, this is a this is a, a major event in in you know corporate America, right? Uh, it's it's really changing the landscape. And so we're expecting universities to, you know, again, not immediately, but, but to, to start to update the, the curriculum uh, to be able to prepare the students for what, what the reality is gonna be uh, when, they, when they get out and, and enter corporate America, whether, whether it be public accounting or an industry. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Kumar, you know, obviously we talked to uh, a lot of, of, of professors, a lot of schools to kind of gauge what they're doing and what they're seeing in this space. And you know, there, there are a handful of top universities that are um, that have started classes in this, whether they're called ESG or sustainability. Um, that, that term is kind of used interchangeably by the universities. Um, a lot of them have created uh, the ESG classes, maybe as an elective, maybe if you're a senior or maybe even start of your in is part of the graduate program. I'll, you know, five years, 10 years from now, I wouldn't, it would not surprise me if ESG is, is a one-on-one class where you take freshman year because it, it literally builds on just about every key foundation of, of, of management and business that you can imagine. So I, I, I foresee this as being ingrained in every university over the next 10 years in some form or fashion. But I, I think, you know, we're, we're going to look back and say, it's just like management 101 and every business student, whether you're accounting, finance, marketing, et cetera, will have to take some form of ESG class. Thank you very much, both of you. Really appreciate your time uh, for this fascinating discussions. I think we have learned a lot from this and certainly will take you up on your offer to continue this discussion at some other place in some other forum. Thank you very much.